There's no better teacher than life. I'm a person whose path to self-destruction led to self-discovery. My name's Adante, and this is Correct Me If I'm Wrong. Hey, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to Correct Me If I'm Wrong. If you read the description, you know what this podcast is about. On this series that I'm about to bring to you, I want to talk about trusting your struggle. I believe trusting your struggle is a big part of success. It's about sticking with something, having faith, and having belief in yourself. And that's the most important thing you can do if you want to be successful. I'm going to share my story and show you how my belief in myself allowed me to achieve what I have achieved and have made a change in my life that I have made. In this story, I'm going to tell you about where I've been and things I've experienced so you can understand why belief and faith are so significant to me when it comes to achieving your goals. I recently did an exercise at work called a Strength Finder exercise. And in this exercise, you asked a series of questions. And depending on your answer, you're given a rating as to which categories your main strengths lie. After seeing what my top five strengths were, it was no surprise to me that belief was in my top five. Belief has been a driving force in my life for as long as I can remember. At the age of 16, I moved from South Carolina to Florida. And before I left, I told my friends that I was going to go to Florida and play basketball. And I would go to the NBA and get us out the hood. I really believed this wholeheartedly. So much so that on my ride down with my father, I told him that I was going to the NBA. And that everything I touched turns into gold. And while I did not make it to the NBA, that does not change the fact that I had the belief and faith in my abilities that I could make it to the NBA. What actually ended up happening was me and my father got into an argument, which led to me being kicked out of the house. I was kicked out of the house for seven days before I was arrested and charged with armed burglary and armed robbery. After being arrested for armed burglary and armed robbery, I ended up spending 14 months in a juvenile facility. Four months was spent in the detention center, going back and forth to court with threats of being sent to adult jail facing adult charges and adult time. 10 months were spent in a level eight high risk program for serious habitual offenders. And all I could think about while I was in there was all the people I was disappointing on the outside. I thought about my younger cousin, Kiera and her brother Cameron and how I was disappointing them. How I was supposed to be their big cousin and be able to be there for them and yet I was behind bars. And I thought about what type of example I was setting because my mom always told me, you never know who's watching you. And being in a situation like that, everyone can see it. And you never know how somebody is going to respond to that situation because you never know the influence that you have on somebody. I thought about my Aunt Sheila and how much she loved me and how much I loved her and how much I know it would be breaking her heart that I would be in jail. And that she and my uncle gave me and my older brother the opportunity to live with them in which we squandered it because we chose to be knuckleheads and be unappreciative, ungrateful. I thought about my mom and how she always told me that they have a place for me if I continue my behavior. I thought about my dad and just our strained relationship due to the fact that the divorce of him and my mom led to him moving to a different state and I couldn't see him. And he was my close friend. I thought about my younger brothers who with my dad came to see me every visitation. 
My dad told me my younger brother looks up to me and he can tell by the way he looks at me. My, my other younger brother, I don't even know what he thought, but I could tell that he wished I was home. So while I'm in jail, I think to myself, who am I? A church group came to the program to preach to us every Sunday. And every couple of weeks, they would do an event where they would bring children from the church to come play sports against us in jail. They brought some kids along who were basketball players who actually had scholarships to go to Division I colleges. In jail, while competing against these guys, it was clear that I had superior athleticism and just a natural born knack for basketball. I told myself and the guards in the program, as well as some of the church committee members, that I should go to college when I get out and pursue basketball. But I did not pursue basketball when I was released. When I was released, I went back to South Carolina and started to work a dead-end job and started to work with the same friends that I had left who I told that I was going to make a change and that I was going to go to the NBA. It is not long before I'm up to my old tricks. Eight months after being released from the juvenile program for doing 14 months, I was arrested for possession with intent to distribute crack cocaine. I ended up spending close to six months in county jail awaiting a court date, to which I pled guilty to a misdemeanor charge of possession. While I was in jail, I never thought that the charges would stick or that I would be sent to prison. And I had faith in this fact. And I also had faith in the fact that I was going to be bonded out and go home. So every day I would wake up and I would just have a smile on my face. So much so that sometimes inmates would ask me, why are you happy? And I would tell them I just don't know. But the truth was, is because I had faith that that was not where I was going to be. And that was not my fate in life. My fate in life was not to go to prison. And I believed that wholeheartedly. I did not go to prison. I was released. And the night before I went to court to face the judge and be released, I had a dream that I was in the rapture from Revelations. And a guy came to me and put a gun in my head and said, denounce God. To which I replied, no. And the guy shot me. And in the moment that the gun went off and a bullet entered my skull, guard said, Jones, wake up. You got court. I never thought that when I went to court that day that I would be released. But after that, that just strengthened my faith. Because my faith was based on the fact that I knew God would take care of me. And after being released, I went back to doing the exact same thing I was doing before. This was at 19, and the year was 2009. And since basketball was always a big part of my life, I often stopped down at the community center in my neighborhood to play ball. One day I'm playing basketball with a guy named Andrew, and he says, you know you're good enough to play Division I basketball. I say, yeah, I know I am. A couple days later, I'm with a friend, Roosevelt, and his roommate, Kenneth, comes over. And Kenneth says, bro, you know if you would have played basketball for us in high school, we would have won the state championship. Me and Kenneth played AAU basketball together for his dad's team. So he knew what I was capable of. And even going into high school before I dropped out, my talent level was still very high. And Kenneth was aware of that. So at this point in time, I started to flirt with the possibility of enrolling in college and playing college basketball. My thought was I was going to go to HBCU named Benedict College in Columbia, South Carolina, 
and I talked to my mom about it. I got admissions papers, registration forms, and I took them home and just set them on a microwave and pretty much forgot them and let them get buried under a bunch of mail. I knew what I wanted to do, but I had no idea how I was going to do it. But I had faith that my life would be changed and basketball would be the way. One day I'm home, my cousin Salisa's over my mother's house, and I'm minding my pants in the kitchen, and I start to express my frustrations to my mom and my cousin about life. And I say something along the lines of, I hate my life. I don't want to live it because this is not what I envision for myself. And about a year from this incident, my youngest brother graduates high school. We go down for his graduation. And at his graduation dinner, my dad asked me if I can still play basketball, to which I replied yes. And he asked me, would I like to come down in August and try out for a professional basketball team called the Jacksonville Giants? To which I said yes. He said he'll let me know when trials are and that it's fine for me to come down and try out when the time comes. So we leave to drive back to South Carolina and all I can think about now is this new excitement for this opportunity to play basketball once again. And they say you shouldn't put all your eggs in one basket, but all my eggs were in this basket. A couple months rolled by and now it's time to go to Florida for tryouts. As I'm approaching the Amtrak, I smoke my last cigarette. I give the rest of my pack of cigarettes away to some random guy and I hop on the train to start this new journey in life. And when I get down to Florida, things pick up just like my dad says. I start going to tryouts and working out with the team for a while. And after a couple of weeks, one of the coaches tells me that I'm not good enough to play this team and if I haven't gone to college, I should try. And I took that into consideration and I decided to take my talents to college. I had no idea what I was doing or where to start. I enrolled in a community college, Florida State College at Jacksonville, part-time and start hanging around the basketball team and trying to establish a relationship with the coach in hopes that he would let me walk on. Turns out you have to be a full-time student. What I was doing to stay in shape and work on my game was play basketball at a local church where a lot of guys played ball. I ended up meeting a guy named Rod who was trying to become a coach and he started to take me with him to all the schools that he was interviewing for and introducing me as a very good player. I ended up landing on the prep, preparatory academy roster, which led to me being accepted to McCook Community College in Nebraska. During this whole time in Florida, I was working at McDonald's. A lot of the guys in the gym I was playing at had already played college ball and overseas and were pretty accomplished players. And they would give me so much flack for being a 21 year old. And before going to McCook Community College, a 23 year old who worked at McDonald's, who didn't play high school basketball. And honestly, was not good enough in some of the eyes to even make it there. I remember one day, a guy named T said, y'all always in here giving Dante crap, but he gonna be better than all of us. And if I had to go and play against all those guys today, I would bet that was true. But once I got into college, the trouble didn't stop. 
it honestly had just began. My first year of college, I was kicked off the team twice. Once for drinking at a volleyball game and once for having alcohol found in my room. At the end of the season, my coach found out that at this point in time, I had a felony on my record. And he told me, had I known you had a felony on your record, I would have never let you play on my team anyway. I had a felony on my record because when I was charged with possession with intent to distribute and pled to a lower case, the clerk of court in South Carolina failed to push through the paperwork that said my charge was lessened and I only have a misdemeanor conviction. That traveled and followed me for five years of my life. For five years of my life, I was barred from doing things because I was considered a felon when in actuality I wasn't. Ignorance of the law is a crucial thing because had I known or had I even cared, had I thought it was something that I could fix, I would have done it. But I wasn't empowered at that time. So I could not, from 19 to 23, I could not get an apartment. I could not get a car. It was so many things that I could not do because of fees and fines associated with a felony that I should have never had to face. Despite what my coach said, I believed that basketball was going to change my life. And if I wanted my life to change, I had to stick with basketball. After that season and that talk with my coach, I decided to reach out to other schools and see where I can end up. I got an offer from a school, Lake Region State College, in Devils Lake, North Dakota. Lake Region State College did background checks on all students who attended their school. So Lake Region saw that I had a felony on my record. I explained to them that it was a misunderstanding and the clerk of court in South Carolina just failed to put the paperwork through. I was told that if that's the case, then I should get that worked out. I almost gave up right then and my wife said to me, no, you need to call the solicitor and get that fixed. I called the South Carolina State Solicitor and within a day or two, the felony was, this felony was being reported on background checks as a misdemeanor like it should have been done for so many years. Without basketball, and had I elected to go back to McCook Community College, that would have never happened. Basketball changed my life there. And that was one reason having the faith that basketball would change my life was worth it. I ended up playing two more years of college basketball for the University of Alaska Fairbanks and graduating with my bachelor's degree in sociology. At 16, I told my friends that basketball would change our lives. I never let go of the belief that basketball could change my life. And even when I did not know where I was going, I had faith that I was being led in the right direction. I believed that everything I had been through was for a reason. Now, I can share my story with others. Now, I can reach back to a young kid who may be going through what I'm going through and help them avoid making some of the mistakes I've made. Or I can be talking to someone who has already made mistakes and use my testimony as a way to tell them that they can get their life back together. Everything I've been through in life made me who I am today. And I'm proud of that. Everything I've been through put me in the position that I'm in today. And I'm proud of that as well. This is why you should trust your struggle. Because everything that you go through 
helps build and make you and shape you into who you are. Thanks for listening. See you next time.